It's the... Hello, and welcome to a special podcast of From Our Point of View. I am Scully. <laughs> I'm Evan Camacho. Yeah, we're bringing back from our point of view. I don't yes, know we're, bringing, how, how... we're bringing it back from there, from that point on, just because we, we need to, now that it is finished, let's, let's talk about Disney's Star Wars, the last five years. Let's talk about the last five movies that came out f- from the Disney production. And, uh, and I say Disney because, well... Quite frankly, and let's get into it a little bit, and let's talk about some backstory. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be fun and talk about our our love of Star Wars. Um, if you haven't heard, and there, we once did long ago in a galaxy far, far away commentaries on the original six Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. and we and we Evan and I love Star Wars, and so mm-hmm. we we wanted to do commentaries because we love doing commentary tracks, and. We shared our love of Star Wars, analyzing and doing nerdy things. And mm-hmm. over the years, we both really love Star Wars. Um, just to have fun, just to give our, our credentials, or just mm-hmm. kind of like, not, not a credentials, but just our, our own kind of relationship with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I love telling the story, and is that when I was five... I'll let you do the math and figure out how old I am. But <laughs> when when I was five, I was just playing with my toys. And then suddenly my dad rushes in, grabs me, throws me into the car, not literally, and says, Jamie, we're going to go see a movie called Star Wars. You're going to love it. It's got lasers, spaceships, and this great hero named Luke Skywalker, and this bad guy, Darth Vader, who's Luke Skywalker's father. But you don't find that out till the second movie. <laughs> And yes, he told that. He always maintained that, like, he never said that. He told me that, like, in his description of what he was taking me to see. And so I was one of the very lucky kids whose first Star Wars movie in theaters was A New Hope. I got yeah. the, the special edition re-release of, of New Hope in theaters. I remember it was amazing. I and I don't really fully remember my first experience of Star Wars other than the story I just told. Okay. But just from that moment on, Star Wars has been such a huge, important part of my life, and so I've it loved. Was a weird, it was a weird thing for me because I remember, I remember, I had the original THX uh, video cassettes. Nice. That were, Same. That were released, I think in '93. So this was the original original. There was no alterations to it yet. There hadn't been any alterations yet. Yeah, that, um, that's what I got too. Yeah. Well, and then the shocker for that was that I remember being dragged. I remember being dragged. <laughs> kind of to go see a new hope only time that would hope. ever happen <laughs> well it's like to go to go see a new hope and really me being five years old four or five years old i didn't really have a clue what was going on yeah um and and i remember just seeing some new scenes and whatnot i remember seeing java but really i kind of had which is ironic because the star wars film that i enjoyed the most growing up was actually Return of the Jedi, and for and to a certain extent, it was the only one that I watched for years. <laughs> same, I, same. I did not watch A New Hope. So much similar, I, buddy. <laughs> I mean, well, we already I, knew that, but yeah. <laughs> well, because A New Hope, A New Hope was just A New Hope. It was it was great the way it was, but but I, I it was very. It, a New Hope was one of those stories to me, at least as a kid, was that it was only exciting the first time you saw it. I can see that. 
an Empire Strikes Back, me being a kid, I was too traumatized by by seeing my hero lose. Oh and yeah, that Darth was really Vader, hard for me to watch when I was five. Well, and, yeah, and Darth Vader being unstoppable. I mean, Darth Vader scared the sh- scared when I was a kid um, because you didn't know what the hell it was. You didn't know. Whereas Return of the Jedi not only ended on a positive note, it ended on the positive note. Yes, absolutely. I love and. And so Star Wars, I was always an uber passionate fan. I was, I, I was like so so excited, waiting for those prequels, and each and each one delighted me. And, of course. And I, I had literally memorized the trailers and for Re- Revenge of the Sith. And seeing Revenge of the Sith was one of the best cinematic, oh, like yes. theater going experiences of my life. It was a movie that I was so looking forward to, and I loved every minute of it and it you want to know you want to know something super sad? affected me and it was just an amazing amazing experience <laughs> it was here's something that although by the way here's something that's actually kind of hilarious okay uh, i read this and i figured this out so in 2004 many audiences went to go see disney and pixar's newest film the incredibles mm-hmm. what i remember of that movie is not the incredibles it was for the first time seeing revenge of the sith uh teaser trailer oh yeah 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 i remember that oh i remember that okay i don't remember the really i didn't remember the incredibles but i remembered seeing revenge of the sith and seeing that that trailer and i'm like i'm like no that's you and me and i like it i love the incredibles it's a great movie but uh but but i started looking at it and i looked at it later on it turns out one of the reasons why the incredibles actually made so much money was for that exact reason people literally going to see it just to see the revenge of the sith trailer and i find that absolutely hilarious oh what a different times we lived in what different times (laughs) but no 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 yeah 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 i totally remember that I remember that, and my father, who remembered and and had and had a poster of Revenge of the Jedi, was like, "Wow, Revenge, Jamie, Revenge!" Like, mm. I was like, "Ooh, yeah." So, what we're getting at is that we're both we love the movies. We, we love up. the we love we love them to death. And here's what something that that uh, may surprise you evan that i'm going to mm-hmm. outright say mm-hmm. between the two of us mm-hmm. i think you're the bigger fan <laughs> you know what i'm probably not gonna i'm probably not gonna deny that you're a no, bigger you fan because like the thing is with me is like i'm not as huge of an expanded lore guy as evan yeah. is evan has lore. watched all of of the clone wars and rebels um also i can point out clone wars has two episodes left on Disney Plus in the next two weeks, we are approaching the apocalypse. <laughs> we are genuinely approaching the apocalypse here. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you figure out what that means. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a big. It's a big moment. It's a big series of moments, to say the least. Cool. Great. <laughs> great. That's a great show. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Cartoon Network. M- is like was one of the worst for marketing that show yes it was because like they they kept on like pretending it was like this really little kitty show and that's what kind of turned me off on it right like whenever it would would occasionally force me to watch it it was like oh it's not oh yeah our our other 
our other good good college friend um, would watch it with me. He was as big of a fan as I was, and uh, every every Saturday we'd watch we would watch Clone Wars. That was that was our thing. Get up and watch it. Yeah, yeah I should have joined you for more of that. Anyways, hindsight's twenty twenty. So is- so I love talking about behind the scenes, and I'm gonna yeah. just like with our X Men film series overview, I'm gonna drop some fun behind the scenes trivia kind of stuff. So the road to star Wars not being owned by George Lucas of Lucasfilm being so sold really goes to like the two thousands was not a great time for Disney. Like it both was and was not. It's that like it, it, it was the beginning of this era where Disney started to via Michael Eisner and I don't have my facts completely right, so there's probably I get a ton of right, this wrong. Right. It's like, t- again, take this all with a grain with a grain of salt. But basically, it's that like Michael Eisner was starting this whole idea that Bob Iger would take it and add steroids to. But Disney started to branch out and buy more companies. Like they bought ABC. They they bought. Uh, ABC, ESPN, ABC, ESPN, one of the major cable networks of of the U.S. And they mm-hmm. also bought they bought one of the big three networks, and they briefly even bought a, the Anaheim Angels, a baseball mm-hmm. team. So they they were they were like um, expanding their their territory for what they controlled. At the same time, their movies were not doing great uh, no. i mean I, I mean personally i i really love emperor's new groove and uh lilo and stitch is wonderful but yes. like they all the were. best movies released by pixar by by disney were were pixar movies yes now and so very, very good let's remind let's not forget that and so uh, eisner basically also like what got him fired was he quite frankly stupidly was bold enough to in, say that Pixar needed them more than they needed Pixar. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And so stockholders were like, uh, why did you just say that? Like, and Steve Jobs was seriously considering ending, letting the contract expire and going somewhere else. And so I, and so between Pixar and Eisner, Disney execs chose, chose Pixar Eisner got fired and got replaced by Bob Iger. Um, mm. Bob Iger has been around media for a long time. Um, kind of his biggest claim to fame before becoming the CEO of Disney was was that he was um, part of the representatives that convinced um, David Letterman to leave NBC and create mm. his own late late night show opposite Jay Leno when it was Ooh. clear that Jay Leno got the Tonight Show and not Letterman, which was what he expected. See the movie Late Night. Bob Iger is a character in Late Night. And so Bob Iger, big media guy for a long time, and he's a student of Eisner. And so he comes up now. They also Disney gets a lot of like of the brain trust of Pixar to head head their movies. They mm-hmm. released Fro- they released Tangled, Frozen, Princess and the Frog, better movies. Yeah. And uh, better, better, but not quite 
amazing. Well, dude, the phenomenon that is Frozen, you you can't. That was, that was such a game changer. I'd like to just point that out. Like, I don't know. It's like, what the hell made that such a game changer? But then, well, that's a that's a whole conversation. That's a whole stuff. other like Disney podcast. I mean, hey, buddy, like everyone thought Pocahontas was going to be the hit, and so no one like was really interested in this this little lion movie that they were making right, on the side. Okay, no one no one thought the Lion King was going to do it, but boy, were we wrong. Yeah. Hey. No one knows what's going to be the hit and what what like plenty of things that you expect to be the hit aren't the hit and things that you don't think that much of end up becoming a huge success. Mm-hmm. Things are weird sometimes. Yeah. And so all these people listening are like when are we going to get back to Star Wars? We're we'll getting get to there it. So, we'll get there so basically, everybody. Bob Iger is like in this mindset of like get more, more IP, expand, expand the brand. And so, first major acquisition he gets, which makes so sense and much sense, and it's also really astonishing that no one had done had bought this company before, or at least like a major company like Disney buying it, is mm-hmm. that Marvel releases. Uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, and Thor, and they both make over multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. what people don't realize is those movies were independent movies. Right. Paramount Pictures released them, but they didn't own those movies. Right. They were those owned were- and made by Marvel Comics, right. a comic book company. So Disney is like, oh. Like, please give me this treasure trove of IP. Right. That's like, not we need to cash in on this prize immediately. I will say kind of like a, it's a weird kind of like reversal to me on, on this level that the company that like Marvel prided itself on being the Pepsi of comics, of being the rebels to the right. prestige Coke of comics, DC. But the same people that are own dc the the uh, the establishment well, I hate, and i hate to say it dc's movies well, well in the past in the past few years have not exactly been most of them have not been to the caliber that marvel has yes well that again other other conversations so right. we, there's so many tangents we can get into and in, like disney being disney well long, long but, story short long story short if it's like Basically, Disney got smart and and started essentially swallowing up what it could. Making good deals. Right, right. Anything it could get its hands on, it swallowed up. Which, I mean, let's be honest, that's corporate. That's just cor- good corporate business. Yeah. So, so the thing that happens is then that in now let's get to George Lucas. So in 2012, 2012 allegedly, like according to uh, According to Mark Hamill, this is right after he releases the Star Wars Blu-ray, so he's Star Wars jazzed. The Star right. Wars, uh, Clone Wars has gotten him a bit more back into his his baby. Like he's getting good it ratings. Always, he's, had, yeah. he's always been a little bit of um, hot and cold with Star Wars. It's always been like the sometimes general, where he, general, it's like he's the, really the really invested, and other times he's just a little bit more like, eh, you know, like. The general, After the general the consensus that I've gotten when it comes to Clone Wars is that he he'll say I want this, make it happen, and most of the time the the creators are kind of like, yeah, okay, we can do that. 
Well, that's kind of George's style in general. But which is yeah. Why am I calling him George? But I don't know him. Anyways. It's Lucas's style. Yeah. So. Because Lucas is um is like unless what what I mean by that though is like when he's really passionate he he can get really involved or he can just be kind of like hands off just do X and X and X these are the guidelines have at it have fun guys. Right. Which we'll get it we'll get into that type of style of directing later on. So he basically. After the Star Wars Blu-rays, I think, and really like touching his ba- his babies again, he was jazzed to do Star Wars, a new trilogy. So he contacted up Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, had invited them for dinner, and told them, I'm going to do it. New Star Wars trilogy, and you guys are going to be in it. Marcus is like, of course, excited. Carrie's also open to it. They start scripting some ideas. It's not exactly working the way he wants. Along the way, he also calls up his buddy Lawrence Kasdan and says, hey, I want to do a young Han Solo movie. Can you work on that, mm-hmm. Lawrence? Mm-hmm. Lawrence is like, of course I can. Glad to. Mm-hmm. Then basically as he's working on this, he, he's it's not exactly working to his satisfaction. And that's when Bob Iger comes calling. And like, so he's not super, super invested in, and he's semi like, contemplating retirement in general when he's like got these ideas and he's got this kind of like semi desire to do more Star Wars and Bob Iger says well we would love Star Wars and we would like to own Star Wars and continue your your baby right and Lucas make decides to sell his child to to Disney. Disney and you know that's something that people will never understand I think fully right. is because like Star Wars is such a huge cultural phenomenon mm-hmm. is that and this is not like Stan Lee or Jack Kirby George Lucas owned Star Wars so he owned this gigantic cultural phenomenon that he created right he reaped the profits of, of, of his own idea which is so rare which, which will never happen in today's world. Never. Never. It's such a fluke of of, of New Hollywood. Right. And it's such a amazing, and wonderful was, thing. That was, and, that and was okay, New Hollywood. I warned Evan before we recorded this I'm, that that I'm going to be, quite frankly, venerating George Lucas. George Lucas can't write, di- write good dialogue 90% of the no. time. But... No. The man is a genius, and he is a great representation to me of of both the American dream and everything that's great about this country. Because yeah. he came from modest origins, and he made an amazing cultural icon. He owns it, controlled it. It was amazing, beautiful, and he sold it. I don't know why he sold it, honestly. I, it's just Iger's a really persuasive guy, and yeah. and I guess he was just a little bit Kind of like when when you get listen to some interviews with him, he's also he was broken though by by fan trolling. Yes. And fan backlash that that he just was so disheartened about opening up his soul again to do another film trilogy and expose himself to the ridicule <laughs> and critique. And so he just decided finally just drop it and let it go. And what makes me love George Lucas 
You know what George Lucas did with those billions of dollars that Disney gave him to sell off Lucasfilm? What? Used it to build housing in Skywalker Ranch for middle for affordable housing for middle income families in America. Because Modesto awesome. doesn't want him to do that. That is pretty awesome. So, total awesome, dude. George Lucas is awesome. Yeah. Go on, be awesome, George. Now, when Star Wars is no longer owned by George Lucas, George Lucas is very much, when you actually listen to and watch George Lucas, even though he loves and adores Star Wars more than anyone, he's also at the same time one of the least mm-hmm. precious about Star Wars because he created it. And he, he was very open to, he let people mm-hmm. do 30-minute to hour-long parodies of Star Wars. He was oh, much he, more brand open and all these kinds of things. By the, by the way, like one of the one of the biggest advantages of that was really what we call the expanded universe, who's now called Legends. Books, video games, comic strips, short stories, just so much that was birthed out of his his. You got a good story? Cool, throw it in there. It was like a, he would have his guidelines and limits of like you can't do this and X, but. Right. He would, he, he would, his his word was the word of law, but he said anything within that, do it. And the and the the amount of stories that came out of that, you cannot fathom how many there were. And some yeah. of them, some of them were some of the are, are pieces of artwork in terms of literature, writing, and just character study. Yeah. So. So. so George Lucas hand, hands over, and to Disney's may, eternal credit, is that Disney is not the these massive corporate overlords for, from from all that I hear when it comes to the the companies mm-hmm. they bought. For the most part, they're they're mostly just like okay, like get, get, you don't, like don't, don't fool yourself. They're greedy. Yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Okay, but. Uh, what I mean by that is like they say, okay, release X product by X time, but like no micromanaging, no real. Good. You don't want micromanagers. Yes, it like that. That's basically what I hear. The, the same experience is like basically Marvel's relationship to Disney and Pixar's relationship to Disney is like, okay, we need some movies, and like here's your bucket of money, give us your movies. Right. And that's kind of their philosophy, is Disney, in terms of corporate overlords. And so, although that being said, um, Disney appoints a friend of George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, to be the producer and kind of head runner of of the new Disney-owned Lucasfilm. And Disney's only note to Lucasfilm is, maximize the potential profits of this IP uh, every year. And something as we got a movie every year from Star Wars is we started to realize Star Wars was a a great thing about scarcity. And Evan mentioned these, the legends and all this great expanded lore. And there's so many great Star Wars video games and stuff like that. But in terms of actual content, Star Wars was six movies. Yeah. And like then everything else is kind of like not vital to the no. movie experience. 
it enhances the movie experience, but it's not vital. Right. And so in some ways getting what you want of like a Star Wars movie every year kind of started to show like maybe we should be careful what we wish for. (laughs) Right. And okay, so we're not going to be too – we're not going to be trolls and we're not going to be as super glib. There, there's things about these movies I genuinely like, yes. and I'm going to, and we're going to be a bit divisive and debatey when we come to some of these movies, because mm-hmm. Evan and I do not agree on no, some of these. No, we don't. We genuinely don't. So let let's start off with. So let's start where it begins. Now, uh, for the record, the the. The people at Lucasfilm took one look at all of George Lucas's notes and concepts and outlines for for this for his new trilogy, and said that's nice and threw it out the window. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the end of George Lucas's involvement with Star Wars, other than one scene in Solo, which is also you can you can tell because it's one of my favorite scenes. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you which one in, in, when we get to it, but so. Who do they get? So Kathleen Kennedy and um, and the studios, they, they kind of want to imitate the original trilogy, which is that, okay, we're going to have three directors. These movies are going to be released, made within two years of each other. And we'll have a movie in between these movies. Right. A spinoff movie that's not episode titled. Right. Good idea. Sounds pretty decent. On, on paper, good idea. So, who, who they they hire they hire J.J. Abrams to do episode seven, episode eight is to be done by Ryan Johnson, and episode nine is to be directed by Colin Trevorrow. So, let's talk a little bit about J.J. Abrams first. J.J. Abrams was for a long time like he was he's been in Hollywood for a long time. Oh, he really yeah, like Hollywood. started to become the big hot player in TV in the 2000s. Yes. He, uh, he, for those of you who don't know, his most famous was Alias, I believe. No, no not just Alias. He made also what my favorite show of the of the aughts, Lost. Really? He did the first two seasons of Lost, and that that was his. I know he, made, I know he did the first two seasons of Lost. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, that Lost was like his 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 baby, and then Ooh. basically he then left it to Damon Lindelof and the other showrunner to then carry it on. And basically then Hollywood came knocking when Tom Cruise loved alias and said like, Hey, do you want to direct mission impossible three? And JJ was like, of course, Tom Cruise. And then to do that. Yeah. Who would say that? Of course. I'm like, I'm not criticizing him at all for that either. Yeah. And so, and so then after Mission Impossible 3, which is one of the pop, one of the most popular ones of those movies, mm-hmm. he then gets uh, gets to do one of the granddaddies of sci-fi. He gets to do a, a, the reboot of Star, Art, Star Trek. And so because J.J. Abrams is a major fan, he also, when you doesn't want to do a straight reboot of, of Star Trek, he wants because Star Trek fans love everything being explainable and 
being clear and detailed in their sci- high heavy sci-fi. So he makes this movie that is probably the best of these kind of reboot que- sequel movies mm. in that he he makes it be a sequel and a reboot at the same time mm. very effectively. And it's a really great, great, solid movie. A lot of people at the time said it was a, it was the best Star Wars movie they'd seen in a while. And <laughs> there is some very similar things to A New Hope. On mm-hmm. that note, so not soon after he directs Star Trek Into Darkness, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, when we get to Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to mention Star Trek Into Darkness again. Mm-hmm. So after he's doing that, Into Darkness, Disney comes a-knocking and says, hey, JJ, would you like to direct Star Wars? Oh, and yes. yeah so bye bye star trek hello star wars this is a dream project let's face it most of us would have done that would have done that said that too yeah hell, hell yeah and so he is and star wars is honestly a better fit for him in a lot of ways yeah and so he directs the force awakens gets uh bunch of of actors that are that aren't major stars and um there are some things in the making of is pretty untroubled of these five movies two had relatively like the first two episode movies had relatively trouble-free issues Relative productions, like Relative. yeah, like they're, they're kind of more typical things of like an injure an actor got injured, Harrison Ford got injured. Right. The right. biggest something, thing that happened is- during the movie that like would affect future movies is is that Oscar Isaac says, and if you watch the movie, mm-hmm. Oscar Poe Dameron was supposed to die in that in that crash, and oh. Oscar Isaac just said like please, can I not die? And so they, and J.J. Abrams like, sure. So that's why Poe Dameron lives. And it really shows. It yes. really shows. And that's going to become a problem for later movies. That's going to become a running issue. So now, this is my joke about Force Awakens. <laughs> hey, Evan, you know what's my yeah. favorite Star Wars movie? What? It starts off with this sassy rebel being captured by this by this guy in black with a helmet that has a modulated voice and he has this magical power called the force now before he gets the sassy rebel gets captured the sassy rebel puts vital information into a droid for the rebellion cause now the rebellion the the droid gets picked up by this orphan who's dressed in white and lives in a desert planet now the orphan ends up going on this crazy adventure, Evan. It's so fun. And along the way, she, the, the, the orphan, the hero. yeah, the hero, meets this really um, shady person. And they, they travel in this junk spaceship called the Millennium Falcon. And along the way, they meet this legendary war hero with a, with a dark past with the, the black helmet dude. And so towards the end of the movie okay this is crazy evan this is amazing so towards the and meanwhile the evil the evil empire 
has this weapon that can destroy a planet. It's crazy stuff. Real bad guys. And they destroy a planet in the movie. So you know these are not nice guys. Right. So in the middle of the – near the end of the movie, the legendary war hero lets himself be killed by the black helmet guy. It's so sad and crazy. No. And, and so then the hero ends up being able to somewhat beat the the black helmet guy, and the the evil super weapon gets destroyed, and it's a great final end to the movie. Which one are you talking about? So yeah, the thing is like this movie. Oh my gosh, The Force Awakens. It's it is literally it is literally a new hope. It is a new hope, but, but almost almost not even a shadow. It's kind of a um, it, it's kind of like a like a like a fan fiction rehash. Yes, literally. <laughs> and okay, all right. So let me first say that I have always been skeptical and about anything post Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi to me always was and still is the perfect end to the Star the, the Skywalker story. Yes. And the story that George Lucas was saying with Star Wars, which was right. why even when George Lucas wanted to do it, I was skeptical about anything post-Return of the Jedi. And that's why I've never really cared for most of this expanded lore that's post-Return of the Jedi. I love anything before about like the deep lore of like before the Jedi and Sith. Which oh, it might be what they should have gone for when they decided to make new Star Wars movies. Is like Towards the end of, or just in the middle of a great throwaway line by by Sidious, he says, "Once more, the Sith will rule the galaxy." I was like, "The Sith ruled the galaxy?" Right. Well, and even Mace Windu says, he "says the oppression of the Sith will never return." It's like, so it's like the Sith were around. The Sith are old, as are the Jedi. The Sith are as old as the Jedi. Well, I just like want this Jedi Sith war. That sounds cool. Like th- th- that's why. The Star Wars universe is so expansive, they didn't have to go back to the Skywalkers. Right. But, okay, so this movie... Now, this movie... The plot is such a horrendous retread. So, to get back to personal experiences, Evan and I met up with another college friend um, for New Year's, Mm -hmm. and we were all just talking about The Force Awakens. And as we were talking... We just all like kind of like quietly realized all the flaws. Like we're just more and more like, wow, this movie was not that good. Yeah. Yeah. And we just and like kept on poking clothes and like the one that broke my heart, and I don't mean this really maliciously at all, but like even like John Williams' music was not that great in the movie. I know. I was very disappointed with the soundtrack. I thought the I thought the soundtrack was was very weak. It was just serviceable. Like, it's not bad by any stretch. It's just like, it just... Well, and, and this, this leads us to, to one of the major points I think that we... I think that I'd like to point out throughout all of Star Wars. Uh, sorry, not all of Star Wars. All of the new Disney era Star Wars. It's not necessarily that all these movies were awful. It's that they were all either blah or, to put it as the most, as the most deplorable word I can say for, for entertainment... They were weak. <laughs> I'll just say meh and just put it at that. So now that all being said, positives mm-hmm. is that I think this is 
I love the characters that they introduced. I do too. I do too. I think that the characters were fresh. They were new. Um, they were fun. Yes. I, I And for all the Mary Sue talk of, of Ray, I did like that Ray, when she's asked to take the lightsaber, she refuses. And that's, right. so she isn't want to be a hero and she kind of has to be forced into being it, which I like. And I liked Ray. I, th- I think she was a, a good character. As we're going to go on, unfortunately, I think Ray. They didn't, have, Ray, they didn't have. They clearly didn't have a plan for Ray. No. So I'll have to get into the negative side and my negative opinions about J.J. Abrams when we talk about Rise of Skywalker. We'll get to that. Yes. But in terms of setup, it's not a bad setup. It's still a movie that like I I can poke so many holes in. Right. And say like it's this is guys come on like and this is honestly to me when i look at the force awakens i look at what this is what people wanted the prequels to be this is giving the fans what they want and this is the best example to me of like giving the fans what they want is not a good thing when it's like this well and because something having captain america raise thor's hammer and having having Rey be able to defeat Kylo Ren. Yes. Having never fought with a lightsaber before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's, it's just not realistic is not the right. No, thing. I mean like, Hey, it, it's a story about magical. Right. It's a story about a magical force. Now the problem with that is, is that th- there is always a, Fantasy does have rules, and it's the rules of storytelling. Storytelling has rules. And the reason why why you don't try to break those rules is because then you have a bad story. You, you need to break the w- r- rules well. So, yeah, part of and the... this did not break rules well. That's the problem. Well... I think that's more of the criticism most people get for Last Jedi, which we can get to next, or we'll, not we'll next. But, but, well, so here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal I have with the Force Awakens that I that I go it on. was a it was a rehash on paper. Okay, that's okay, that's fine. But it was an, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. It looked good. It was a fresh start, and we're thinking, okay. Let's see where this goes. He grabbed my attention, which is yes. Good. He kept my attention. Yes. It's like, okay, I'd like to see, I'd like to see where this goes. And As that's about through, the only. Uh, also, it really introduced me to Adam Driver, who I had previously mm-hmm. only seen in like, in like seconds of, of, of girls. So I didn't, even, I didn't really know who he was either. I, it was, and know. he burst out and he's. He's he and Oscar Isaac are got a long future. Yes. Although I'm totally rooting well, for this. Oscar. Well, Oscar, I'd like to point this out. Oscar has been around for a long time. He we just didn't really know who the hell he was. Well, yeah. Um, well, hey, a lot of people work and then suddenly they they get a big chance to be a lead. Hell, his, his biggest role probably before this was in the 2000. I want to say 2011 uh, Robin Hood with Russell Crowe. Now. The less said about that movie, the better. <laughs> he was also in Sucker Punch as a bad guy. So, yeah. Which I, again, less said the better. Um, so, 
So I think we're both like kind of like on a scale of we're one up. to ten. I would give this about a seven. It's it's I'd give still it about the seven too. It, it it wasn't. It was not bad. It really wasn't. It really. Yeah. It, I say it is bad, but it's like it's not like. But it's so competent and so well done that you kind of forgive it for being this like yes. obvious rehash and for being these really just hitting the same notes. Right. Like as and it was fun. It was it's, fun. Yes, it is fun. I mean, I love I love Daniel Craig's cameo. <laughs> yeah. The secret cameo is as JB007. Being the he for those of you who don't know, he's the stormtrooper that Ray does the Jedi mind trick on. Um and so yeah, but but, but there's major major storytelling errors. I I maintain like better storytelling is one you have to emphasize that Kylo Ren is wounded the entire time he's fighting Yes. He's fighting Ray. And one he should be laughing the entire time and just he's just toying with Oh yes, with Finn when he fights Finn. There was a uh, there was a there was a fan fiction a, a friend of mine did, and literally it was just Kylo Ren dueling these dueling the two of them, and he would just disarm them, and he would say, "Go pick it up," and he did that over and over and over again. That that's part of like what should be better, and like yeah. I, I maintain like it's really that it's just that Ray wins, which. It is what shouldn't happen. It should be the right. Like at, at best, I, I know you don't want it to. Like Ray can't lose, but like I think the best you can do is Ray ties or that right. that fight or survives. Or, or well, just like literally they were doing like the, the fight was split a... apart. Is just like they they just have them split apart before the fight reaches a conclusion. Right. Is you split them apart and and he's he's he's. You have to get the feel. You have to get the feeling in terms of storytelling. You have to get the feeling that if the fight had gone on, Kylo would have killed her, or that he could have killed her at any moment, and he's just testing her. And the problem is we don't get that. And say say what you will about the prequels, at least when the antagonists are around, there is a legitimate. They are a legitimate threat to our heroes, even if you know the characters are gonna sur- gonna survive. Yeah, I mean, the well. Fact- Hey, Phantom Menace, like that moment when it's just Qui Gon and and Maul fighting. It's like right. that look Qui Gon gives to Maul as he's spinning the the blade is like, oh no, like I am outmatched. I'm outmatched. Right. I'm, I'm I'm in danger. So, and the and the other thing too is I'd like to point out with with the Obi Wan versus Darth Maul. Maul technically won the won the duel. He won that fight. He got killed. <laughs> but yep. but on a but on a pure technical level, Maul actually defeated Obi Wan. It's just that he wants a toy. Right. Yeah. And 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 then the same thing we see with with Count Dooku is that Count Dooku he defeats Obi Wan and Anakin with ease. Yeah, he's toying with them. Yes. He's he's like Master Kenobi. You disappoint me. Yoda holds you in such a high esteem. Surely you can do better. Yes. Oh, Christopher Lee, we miss. I know. Yeah. Rest in peace. Well, and it takes Yoda of all people, who is said to be like, oh yes, he's this great, masterful uh, Jedi, and even though Yoda is not quite able, he's able to sort of hold him in place. Dooku pulls a dirty trick, 
and gets yep. away. Yeah. So, so, so our, so our point, our point being with that is that I, I think that's where the storytelling, I think that was the first time for me personally, where, where the storytelling started to feel very off in the sense that it's like, how is she, how is she able to defeat him? Either he is even more of a wreck, even more of a wreck than he should be, or she's got something about her that's very special. Which, you know, I don't mind that when they do that with like, you know, Neo, Harry Potter, Chosen One, but you kind of have to make that a bit clearer from the get go. Yeah. And they do, and the, and they do really enough do where, where, where I can see that they were trying to get that at that idea, but it's still like, it still seems a bit like. Sci-fi, sci-fi and fantasy yeah. are funny because ambiguity doesn't do you any favors in, in sci-fi and and fantasy. And the reason for that is very simple. In a world where you already have to kind of suspend your disbelief, you have to make things concrete enough to where at least at least you can see that you're following the rules of your own world. Okay. So I think we that's all we'll say about about that about, about Force Awakens. That that is all we'll say. Okay. So next up is Rogue One. Right. So Rogue One is a troubled production. Yes, it was a nightmare. It was um like Dan Gilroy had to come in for script rewrites and secretly, according to some, directing. A lot of reshoots. reshoots. A lot of reshoots. Like months worth of reshoots. Well, weeks worth. Not quite months. I mean, that does happen in movies in general, but oh, yes. it happens all the time. It happens all the time. You'd be, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be foolish to think that it doesn't happen. This is a case where I think it worked because the end result <laughs> is a pretty solid movie. Yes. This is a movie I like. This mm-hmm. is a movie that's I've watched several times and I generally enjoy. Mm-hmm. My own. I only have really two problems with this movie. I'm listening. My first problem with the movie is I didn't need this movie. Right. And it and like part of that I didn't need this movie is like I I don't really care about about the story of of the Death Star plans being transported in. Like that Agreed. never like stroke me as like I have to know the story. Right. Uh, I mean like I guess some people fans did and like that was cool that Kyle Katarn and in past previous star wars legends lore was the one who who gave the plans right but that never struck me as like a story i needed to tell and it also incorporates something that i thought was never necessary to the lore and is not canon to me at all which is that oh yeah you know that like flaw in the death star that is results Mm. in luke being able to destroy it oh yeah that was intentional like yeah that was intentionally designed no that's that, that was it's, own, like, it's not it's only not necessary in its own way it actually makes the story a lot less interesting because it doesn't it highlight but because that the the death star exhaust port being a fluke highlights one of the key aspects of the empire and good villains in general is their arrogance arrogance hubris it's part of like moff Tar- uh, uh, governor tarkin just saying like evacuate in a moment of triumph you far overestimate the chances. Like I love that, and that's right. yes. And he's, 
the empire is hubris, and it's also getting to one of the things that George Lucas wants to do, especially made it clear in Return of the Jedi, is this kind of like hubris of mm-hmm. believing your technology guarantees superiority. Right. Right. It's like the same thing the Emperor has. An entire legion of my best troops awaits you, but they get defeated by Ewoks, these mm-hmm. little teddy bears with with bows and arrows and spears and logs. But a level of but a level of but a level of ingenuity that the Empire would not have been able to predict. Yes. And that's um, all just and that's but yeah, that's I, good I storytelling. It was, a, it was a solid movie. But but you're right. It's like did I need to tell the, did I need to hear the story? Not particularly, and I don't. I didn't find many of the characters to really be that great either. Okay, so that's the other part of the flaw of this movie. Okay, so I've watched this movie like five times. Mm-hmm. I can only name two of the uh, of the characters: Jin Erso and K two Erso. Pretty much all the, the other direct, other like I, I love. Direct... What? Okay. Krennic, the villain. Oh yeah, and Krennic, yeah, Krennic. Which, which can I can I point out the fact that Ben Mendelstrom, who has made a career out of playing wimpy, almost there villains that are that are just in way over their head, they, and he tries to be threatening. He really does, and he just utterly fails. Well, the way TV Tropes puts it, and I love it, is Big Bad Wannabe. It's this guy who yeah. thinks he's so much more than what he is. Of like, he is just a glorified middleman that thinks he's actually this top dog. Right. And right. I love that moment when he meets Vader. Of just like, yeah. of like, oh, so I'm still in command? <laughs> You'll speak on the Emperor on my behalf? I mean, Be and... careful not to choke on your aspirations, director. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, just I'm like, no, like you're just a middleman between my little grudge with Tarkin. No, do not. Like, you are not. And I love don't, that. Mendelssohn is yeah. gives you phenomenal performance. I I think he's oh, great. Yeah, well, yes, he's he's a great, phenomenal actor. Um, but but but, that, a lot that of also, but but that also leads into the the problem that I think the Disney, not just Disney, I hate of, of Star Wars, but but of Disney, but of Disney Marvel, Marvel and Star Wars of the of this new era, they need to work on their bad guys. I'm well, sorry, the amount of <laughs> the amount of good bad guys. Is... Well, that's a whole other Marvel discussion. Yes, I understand that critique. I disagree with it, but I understand it. Um, well, yeah. My so point, that, that, my point with that, my point with that being though, is 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 this: a good villain, yeah, doesn't cut it anymore. You need to be great, and that's the thing with the movies: is a good Marvel movie or a good Star Wars movie doesn't cut it anymore. You need to be great to really grab my attention. <laughs> well, okay, you got high standards. So, so because that being said, okay, I, I I love, I, I love the 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 non Jedi character the blind yes i don't know what his name blind, is uh, yeah. yeah it's like we don't know his name i but he gives a stellar performance and i love the ad-lib line are you kidding me i'm blind yes the <laughs> force is with me. i'm one with the force the force is with me i'm one with the force yes great performance yeah, he's great and so and one of the things i love about the movie is legitimately 
is for all our nitpickiness is that mm -hmm. you know what i really admire the guts to have it where all the characters die that's yes that's pretty that's pretty that's ballsy pretty, yeah and i it really I is like it. yeah where well, just like other, heroism doesn't mean you live it just means that you've done the right thing the other thing too well speaking of which the other thing i'd like to point out this is one of the few star wars stories in general by the way where the the line between good and evil is blurred a little bit yeah and i i do like the that rebels are, yeah uh, the rebels are good are on the side of good but they're not always the nicest guys and and let's be honest trying to get a bunch of people to work together who don't necessarily like each other and have the same goals yes well that's right, part that, of the rebellion causes um I don't know if that's a, a fold into the universe that I completely needed or loved, but for the movie, it works. I mean, like the yes, great the introduction for Diego Luna's character, like that's a great little fold is like his introduction is he, he kills the messenger because right. he just can't rely on him because he knows he's a risk. Well, and, the, and, and those returning cast members, those very few, I mean, we got to, we got to see Jimmy Smits as Bail Organa once again, but again, very very great actor in himself. And they digitally resurrected uh, Peter Cushing. Well, not just that. They also brought in the actress who played Mon Mothma in deleted yep. scenes for Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. This time she got and to they, be on, on screen. Yeah. yeah. And so, she gives the so, same mean, stellar performance as Mon Mothma. And they're, they're all good. It had, and it had, its, it had its moments, but was it absolutely rock your world? No. I, I mean, the Vader scene at the end is great. I mean that's well, really anything, fantastic, anything, ter any, terrifying. Any Darth Vader again, everyone loved. Yes, so it was a pretty. It was so solid. far. We're, we're, I'm 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 good. I'm proud of us. We're being pretty nice so far. Like, right. Like we're nitpicking, but we're not being too mean spirited, which is what we should be because mm -hmm. we love this series. Although, as we're gonna get to by the end, mm -hmm. kind of as a preview, like at one point, like after rise of skywalker like like my brother like i kind of like mentioned like kind of canon i was like well mm -hmm. what do you think of these new movies jamie and i just said like for all these movies it just fan fiction i was like oh yeah i was like, yeah, I, I i i don't consider these canon at all these aren't canon yeah. to me and so that's yeah. one of the reasons why i'm not as i'm a little bit more forgiving because i'm just like kind of like i'm checked out for like yeah if i did consider this a continuation of the story that for the six part saga I loved uh, maybe I, I would be more riled up and more angry but I'm just like yeah guys it's not George Lucas's thing anymore it's done by other people so I kind of uh, have uh, lowered expectations helped <laughs> I know lowered expectations it, it's I mean makes crap smell better I guess <laughs> well it makes a it makes Burger King a little better exactly so well, we, well, so so let's. I mean, with our rankings, with the rankings for Rogue One, I mean, I'm gonna give it a 7.5, just because it was solid, it was fun, it wasn't great, but at least it was, and it was new and it worked for what it was. So Rogue One, what for me is ultimately my summing up thoughts is that it it suffered the opposite problem of of a Force Awakens. Great story, completely forgettable characters. Agreed. Is like beyond K2SO of great new different type of funny droid. Right. And like being sassy, Alan Tudyk, one of his best performances. Mm -hmm. um, I love him slapping Cassian. Right. I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> and his death scene is like really like that. And that's the start of like, yeah. oh, the, 
Oh, that's where we're going. I like that. So it's really moving, and it's much more moving than what they try to do with C-3PO later on. So. God, don't get me started on that. Well, we're, we're going to get started on that soon enough. So yeah. troubled production end result isn't too bad for me. I'll give it about. Yeah, I think uh, hindsight, I, I agree with your score about seven and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's a good movie to watch when you're in the mood. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to be in the mood. Well. No, I don't think I have to be in the mood, but for me, it's like at the same time, it's just like. But yeah, this is an unnecessary movie, and mm-hmm. yeah, and it's very flawed. So then we get the big one where we're going to start to get some, I think, big disagreement on. Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi by Ryan Johnson. The most, con- arguably the most controversial Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So... Full disclosure, like when I walked out of this one, this was mm-hmm. like one of the first ones I, I thought, like, you know what? I think that was a really good one. Like, this still isn't canon to me, but like of these new movies, this one's a pretty solid one. And I still maintain that. Yeah. There I are. Remember I, I, I remember I got out. I got out of the movie and I was enjoying it, but I was also there. I mean, I saw. I was. It was a great moment because I, I, I live in Los Angeles and um, the ArcLight Cinema in Hollywood. Every 15 minutes from from 7 o'clock, at, some, from 7 p.m. until like 5 a.m. was The Last Jedi. <laughs> this scene, that was so cool to me. Um, <laughs> but, and I, and I, and I was able to experience the movie with somebody. So I think that helped too. But then after a while, I'm like, it took me about three days, and I realized, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a moment. So I went to go see it again about a week later, and I'm like, oh, that's why. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, I like this, but it wasn't good. <laughs> I think it's like I think do I like this so as, as time has come on you've yeah as, you suffered what I call the Jurassic on, you suffer what I call the Jurassic World problem of that when you're watching like hey fun good and, and the minute you step out you're like hey wait a minute hey mm-hmm. wait a minute oh oh mm, yeah. yeah you start you start to get depressed a little bit more once you realize what happened <laughs> okay. All we're gonna say. Here's the best way to sum up the Last Jedi. In its own way, it's kind of an fu to to fans and to TV goers in general. But the problem is, you didn't you you did that with a franchise that was loved. You don't do that. So. Okay, you can't so, say F you to your fans. I don't look at it that way, and I don't see it that way. So, first thing about Last Jedi, or just talk about Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson ha, has been doing, um, started off indie movies and slowly moved up to making uh, some bigger movies. 
biggest movie he did before Last Jedi was the was um, Looper, which is a great movie. I oh, sincerely I like recommend Looper. Looper is fantastic. Bruce Willis is actually trying, and you can tell. His most, and his most his most recent movie, which redeemed him in my eyes a little bit for the Last Jedi, was the murder mystery um, Knives Out. Very good movie. So, I'm gonna say this right now, Evan, and you can mm. violently disagree with me, but Ryan Johnson is an infinitely better writer and director than J.J. Abrams. I'm not and, gonna disagree. I'm not gonna disagree with you on that, but I'm also how do, how do I put this actually? I'm trying I'm trying to kind of think of the right way to put this. I'm not going to disagree with you because I I do think Ryan Johnson in is is better. However, I think what he made he 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 did the wrong he did the wrong thing though, which is rather than rather than adapt to what was making, he tried to make it his own. Which on paper is not bad, but the problem was is that when when nobody has a plan, when nobody's got a plan, and you've got two movies that come out literally right after each other in terms of continuity, you can't do that. So okay, this is getting into behind the scenes talk, and this is going to be. Let's get into this then. Like quite frankly, like this trilogy was a great example, and like you could completely tell. Especially like Last Jedi makes it crystal clear. It's like, oh, you had none of this planned. No one. You have had none a of this planned. Like, whatever you, you think of the prequels, it was clear that Lucas knew everything that was gonna happen and was setting things up right. in in Phantom Menace that paid off in Revenge of the Sith. And he had be, and, and he had a vision and a and a plan. And it was his. That was the key. It was his vision. So well, yes, you know, he takes I, a you know, I don't. I'll, I'll, I'll fight you on that. I don't think Star Wars needs to be auteur movies, and I and like. Fair enough. Fair and enough. like, many Marvel movies are very unique entities in the, of themselves, but they do have that Kevin Feige overlooking of like this is where the general direction we're going for the overall arching story that we're right. telling. Right. And that's the all you need. Is- all they needed was like basically like here are the beats you need to hit in each of these movies going to this trilogy, but have at it. Yes. And that, which, Kathleen which Kennedy was fine. much that, more hands-off than that, from all that I can uh, tell, uh, in terms of just, like, saying, like, just make the movie and re- make it by this release date. She was, which, which is funny, because she, the, the, from what I've gathered, she was very hands-off until, until um, The Last Jedi became a controversy. So that's, so that, that's, an, that's that an interesting behind the scenes. So, okay. All right. So, and okay, let me be also quite frank right now. Mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson inherited a mess from J.J. Abrams, and he does an amazing job making it all work in my mind of that. And like, and so in storytelling, when you're, you're picking up the pace of a, of I heard critic William Bibiani say it is this type of storytelling is that someone says this part of the story and then you go yes and, and then you move on. Right. And these move Star Wars seven eight and nine are in opposition because J.J. Abrams has one view that Ryan Johnson has another and 
when we get to Rise of Skywalker, it's clear that Ryan Johnson was no. Right. So, but according, according to rumor, according to rumor, what happened was is that essentially J.J. Abrams kind of came up, kind of came up to Ryan Johnson said, "Okay, here's the notes," and it was like three or four pages of notes. Here's the notes. Um, we want this to happen. We want this to happen. We want this to happen. And Ryan Johnson took the papers and tore them up and said, "Nope, I'm doing this my way." Yes, but like, but the thing is Again, that gross oversimplification, but basically. But I disagree. That is very true. But I've also heard accounts from Ryan Johnson that like there were none of those notes. Period. Like he basically like Ryan Johnson has said like I got nothing from JJ other than like this is what happens, and like tag you're it. And I believe that more honestly. I totally believe that that. And what Ryan Johnson like inherited mm. is like so much. Of like, I have no idea. Like, I do not envy Ryan Johnson because there's not a lot of direction where he could go. Like the portrayal of Luke Skywalker, in and of itself, is like, of like fans' reaction to that portrayal of Luke Skywalker is like, but what can you expect? Because within the story that Abrams has established, mm. hiding for like a decade. Like what was he that's doing? A, that's, a, that's the other like, thing too. What, is what that... was he doing? Like, well, like this is like kind of like, that... well, well, it's kind of like, yeah, like what else could he have been doing? Of like, that's all that, may, like, that's pretty much illogical from what JJ has established. It's like, yeah, like that wasn't a quest. That wasn't a quest. That was Luke hiding. But the problem is, is that none of that is made explicitly clear. That's my gripe with it. Is that nothing? All, all that was was not made clear. And the problem with that is that when they did make it clear, it, it, it essentially betrayed what the character was like. Uh, well, I, the fact that you, Mark you know Hamill, that, 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 okay, yes, the but the fact that Mark Hamill disagreed with everything that JJ that sorry that that Ryan Johnson wanted him to do with his character is a pretty good indicator that maybe the guy who's playing it is at least aware of what's going on but again evan i'm talking about what ryan inherited from abrams of you of he abrams established that that kylo ren like is this fallen apprentice of luke skywalker and that luke has been in hiding for they a never decade. say that they, they, no, no, they, they, they do. They do say that. Like Solo says that. And but they so never that's tell part of the. How, they never tell him. Tell us how long he's been in hiding. Okay, they don't tell that part. Yes. Fine. Uh, I'll concede that. The other, the other thing but too is that they do establish that, like, and so it's just like, well, what do you expect? Like, and and it's like the entire time it's like, where's Luke Skywalker? Where's Luke Skywalker? But it it it's never like. Luke was in like if Luke hasn't been helping out the resistance then why then like he isn't trying to be this like and I don't know what what why fans would have expected like what he's been training this entire time like doesn't sound like like from that setup it doesn't sound like he'd be training it sounds like he does what he is what he is like in the movie I'm just like look like Kylo failing and slipping to the dark side, like, 
that did a number on me. I'm I'm done. Yeah. But the but then is this the same character, even if he's old enough? Like is well, you're getting into Evan. Is this what the what the character who believed that Darth Vader, a man way more broken than Kylo Ren, was still a good man? Okay, so let's get into yeah. So that is part of um, why I don't agree that we should ever have had more movies with these characters to begin with, because their character arcs are done. Right. And so. And His characters didn't need to go anywhere. So like that's part of the flaw from the get go. It's like I didn't need more Han Solo. I didn't need more Luke Skywalker, and I didn't need more Princess Leia. Their journey was done. So it's kind of them doing a, a, their own version of Obi-Wan. And I like that. This more broken Obi-Wan is more and and actually I think it's actually much more in keeping with with George Lucas, quite frankly, because George Lucas when you look at those Star Wars movies, really listen to what the Jedi say. Lucas has has the Jedi say things that I'm pretty certain that this is something that like fans I think in general misunderstand is is one the Jedi are not supposed to be ideal. No, they're not because like in the original trilogy, like in Empire Strikes Back, Obi Wan and and Yoda say like, yeah, let Luke, let Han and Leia die, yeah, mm-hmm. let them die. I was like, what? I was like, yeah. It's, it was the, fighting, it's it was, okay. And well, later on, like the, it was the needs of the many versus the needs of the few. And the problem with and, and, and the reason and why on, someone let, 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 let me finish. Later on, the Jedi are are, are like have given up. Like Obi Wan and Yoda, they've given up on on Anakin. They have given up on Anakin. Mm-hmm. Turn to the Jedi, they make it clear. Like, no, you got to kill Vader. Right. Like, it's he, yeah. he, he's more like, machine. Hopeless. Like Vader is hopeless. Like no. Give up on him. So and they're Jedi. And Luke Lucas doesn't say they're right. Sparing right. Vader is what, what helps Vader redeem himself and what makes him end the dark side and the Sith forever. Which again, this is part of why I don't like this trilogy existing, because why does this Sith come back? Okay. I'm well, gonna... and then the other and then the other the other gripe that I think is unfortunate with The Last Jedi is once again, it's bad guys. This guy, Snoke, who's supposedly a, a master manipulator, this very powerful entity of the dark side. And while I applaud Kylo for being able to kill him, the fact that it seemed rather, shall we say, unceremonious, unceremonious is a bit of a letdown. So I understand that completely, and... I will say Andy Serkis does an amazing job. In, oh, I'm not. I don't it, criticize it, Andy Serkis like, at all. The performance is fine. Just the character is just kind of. Uh. Yeah. Well, again, okay, Evan, you're speaking about all the things that I have problems with, like this trilogy even existing. Is that? Okay, there's so many things like about Last of Jedi. Let me do my nitpicky flaws. Mm-hmm. Is one I hated that 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 this First Order thing even comes up. Because yes. again, like, why are we doing this whole thing? But like, oh, the Empire's back and it's sending a new, fresh paint, coat of paint. That's really annoying. That's really repetitive. 
and and like this republic like the politics don't make any sense in this trilogy and mm-hmm. and so the new Re- and so then last jedi which basically takes place a minute after after the force awakens mm-hmm. somehow the first order has taken over the galaxy within those minutes right within within less than 24 hours it's like what that makes no sense how what what when did this happen mm-hmm. when did this happen and okay, the other the other thing about this movie is okay. Actually, no positives. Mm-hmm. So Daisy Ridley is phenomenal in this movie. This is her best performance, I think. Agreed. And also Adam Driver's best performance because yes. Ryan Johnson is a better writer and director, mm-hmm. and so it gives them great material to work with. And for me, after two years of speculation, I adored Ryan Johnson's decision and his twist. That is oh, that she was, the that best she, that she was not- call. And I think I that was completely that was the right decision. Call. That is not only the right decision, that is a brilliant call. Because it's just like, and Johnson, we later would talk about it, and I completely understand. I was like saying, what's really special in Empire Strikes Back is just is just how damaging that revelation is. Mm-hmm. It's not just who your father is, of like the identity of your father. It's what everything that you thought your father was was a lie. Right. And like the person you hate most is the person that you've sit hitherto been an idol you've idolized after all this build up and hope of like my parents my parents my parents my parents please 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 like you didn't abandon me you didn't didn't like oh yeah they they were no one they abandoned you they didn't give a crap about you that's like like and and the, and the fact that like she's always known this she just like was trying to tell herself it wasn't true mm-hmm I think that is brilliant. I that I is don't brilliant. disagree with that decision. I think that at least if they were going to go for it, it's like yes, it's like well then who is the who is this girl? It's like well she's she's nobody. She's she is someone that the force chose to help bring light back into the galaxy. Who was and she? Yeah, like it's like bloodlines no. doesn't have to be necessary. I like right. these bloodlines. ideas. I think yes, yes, from a storytelling standpoint, and like for yes, for the fans that don't like me divorce this and consider it non-canon i understand like this is the skywalker saga you have to have the main character be a skywalker because this is about generations yes they're right they are right but but we have a skywalker we have we have kylo yes and okay now this is part of jj abrams later dropping the ball but this is also this is the movie that makes it it clear i think and had ryan johnson gone on this is like oh Kylo's the bad guy. And like, yep, nope. Like, this movie is all about can Kylo be redeemed, and it ends on nope. No. No. And like, well, and like, Ray is, is being Luke. Ray is like, there is hope. There is good. There is good. And it's like, no. No, he really is bad. And in terms of, uh, also, I will say, 
like Star Wars has, has always had this knack of like killing characters that you that fans had kind of elevated to thinking were much more important and much more more kind of like mm-hmm. villains were were bad, but it was just that they looked cool or just were interesting. That looked yeah. like oh, it's like Darth Maul. Like who? I don't, no one really was clamoring at the time I can remember of who was Darth Maul, who was his origins. Right. Like, no one looks cool. Like it, it's it it's cool problematic because like because basically that that Snoke is this is this character that theoretically is the new emperor. So like who the hell is this and why did the Sith rise again? And that's part of J.J. Abrams' fault people that's jj abrams of like setting up like who is this guy and how did you get this powerful and all this stuff like is basically there needs to be a whole movie explaining the gap between six and seven quite frankly and and so snoke dying is is fine in my book because it's setting up that kylo is the villain going forward i like I like that, but the problem, but one of the one of the nitpicky issues, and again, this is a huge thing, is, is that none of the villains, really, in the new trilogy, are are as competent, as threatening, or or just really as good as well, as but, the but, ones in the prequel of the originals, and that and that's where that's where you get, because because then you have, here's the deal, I'm just I'm just gonna say this right. right was that? I, I, got, I got to turn on the lights in my room. Hold on. I'm just going to say this right away. I'm not a huge Donald Gleason fan. I really do not like his work. Okay, I'm back. And yeah. Yes, so I'm not a huge Donald Gleason fan. And the reason why is every time he tries to play a bad guy, he just completely fails. He's, he I, I, I love his performance. I think he's 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 one of the only consistent characters in this trilogy. And like, he's consistent, but it's like, is this? But it's like, is this really the best that the First Order has? This well, he's not supposed group? to be. He's not supposed to be the the arch bad guy. He's more like the he's more like the Admiral Piet. He's he's. But at least, but at least Piet was was competent at his job, or at least at least the Imperial officers had some gravitas to them well he's just one of them dude but and i think it's he's being funny and i like what they did we don't don't, defend i'm gonna continue to defend things that all the fans hate (laughs) i actually really dig the dig the subverting expectations of that in any other star wars movie the Finn, Rose, and Poe's plan would have worked. And I love that. I was like, oh, it didn't work. And oh, it made things worse. It's like, oh, wow, that's yeah. great drama. I love that. I, I, and, didn't, mind and that. Po- I didn't mind that really, but it also, like I said, it, for some reason, this subverting the expectations, and I, I, I don't really have a good reason why, but it just kind of fell flat. A lot of stuff that they wanted to do that you think would have this big impact, they is it just, it of, just kind of, it just kind of fell flat. Is it because of 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 Abrams' payoff for for all the setup that that it fell flat, or is it just what what, what why? I'm, I'm I'm curious. What, what is it? Or I don't, is I don't can't even really know describe. how to describe as to why it fell flat. Because here's the deal. Here's the thing that's that's actually kind of hilarious is that. Uh, it has the last Jedi actually has all the elements 
of a great movie. You've got good, you've got great performances, great concept characters, char- uh, of subverting expectations. Not necessarily things don't go the way they're supposed to in terms of storytelling. But I think something something happened, and it was. The, uh, and you want to know what it is? I just figured it out. Okay. The tone of The Last Jedi is is one of the most inconsistent of any Star Wars film. And here's what I mean by that. It goes happy to low to happy to low, but it doesn't go happy as in joy we're going to win. It goes happy as in it cracks a joke. Or it it uses humor where where not only do you want not do you not need it it's not necessarily warranted mm-hmm. and the problem and the problem with trying to and the problem with that with with the problem with an inconsistency of tone is look at all the rest of the look at all the rest of the star wars look at the first six star wars films really they were all, they all have an overarching tone, an overarching sort of feel to it. The Last Jedi does not have that. And I think that's why its, its moments fall flat, is because it doesn't know what it's really trying to do with the story. I disagree with you. I think Johnson has a vision. He's pretty consistent with it, but I... But I can understand your your gripes. And look, I understand. Like this is a polarizing movie. A lot of Very people, much. I think, beca- misunderstand like what what Kylo's words are are is 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 like Johnson's thoughts. And like, no, he's the bad guy. People, he is being set up to be the villain. This isn't just because the villain says it doesn't mean that's that's what Johnson wants. Johnson, well, I think, loves Star Wars, especially like the end last scene is pretty uh, of like loving toys and celebrating the stories. I think he really likes Star Wars, but he likes it in in this not nostalgic, precious way that J.J. Abrams does. So. Like I said, I, I think the problem is that it falls, everything just falls flat. But again, but 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 something you mentioned, it's like you mentioned that uh, Kathleen Kennedy was very hands off with this. Yeah. After this movie got such a fan backlash, not a bizarrely, not a critical nor a financial backlash, but a pure fan backlash. That's when she started to get extremely hands on. And one of the pro- one of the issues that I can say with with the character of Ray is that she became the embodiment of the new Mary Sue thing. Well, I disagree. I, I feel that Last Jedi is is what broke her from that that label for me. For at are least that. Kidding? Movie. Are you kidding? It did the exact opposite. It it did the exact opposite. Ray Ray fails, but not in the right way. She fails in a very uninteresting way. She fails in a very she fails in a way that was predictable. That was kind of like uh, it's like because at first at first we wanted to know who this girl was. Now then it then it, then ironically I think it did a big disservice because now it's like 
who cares? And that's what happened. That's that I think is why the fans started to dislike this movie is because net, that it, it literally became who cares? Well, no, I, I, I cared. I, I cared <laughs> to quote Star Wars. You're I cared. The, but, but you're in the party. Yeah. I'm not in a minority, dude. It's it's 50% still means half of people agree with me. <laughs> and when we get to... <laughs> I'm going to quote from Honest Trailers later on, but <clears throat> I really dug this movie for what it was and like the flaws I've identified. As a movie, it was good. As a Star Wars movie, it was not. That's my that's That's how I sum it up. That's all. That's that's all I'm gonna finish it. So see, we disagree. We don't agree on everything. I think no. it's a pretty good movie, and it's a, <clears throat> and it's a, and it's good for this type of Star Wars movie. And it left so many great ways to go. I think, interesting, challenging, of that, the Resistance is in a bleak state, but it's fantastic bleak state to put put it on. Of like, where do we go from here? And Kylo Ren is now the main bad guy. Cool, good. I like it. Where do we go from here? So now we got two really troubled productions. Oh so, yes. So by the way, also, studio loves Ryan Johnson. Says like, okay, Ryan. <clears throat> Although actually, we'll, we'll we'll get into it in a in a bit later. But <clears throat> they loved Ryan Johnson and they still want to work with Ryan Johnson. They have no problem with Ryan Johnson. Period. That's fine. So, next the movie they make is one of the most notorious yeah. troubled productions since Fantastic Four. Yeah. This is like, and I have no idea why everyone like is clamoring for this Snyder cut, which yeah it exists, <laughs> but yeah, but like I don't know why they think that's gonna massively change the movie. It's not, but like. In comparison, like, I really do wonder. So, amazing backstory. That's honestly a much more interesting story and movie than the movie mm-hmm. we got. Is yes. that is that Lord and Miller, these geniuses, the of 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 comedy and just of movies. Quite frankly, um, they. They started off with a cloudy chance of, with the chance of meatballs. Then they did 21 mm-hmm. and 22 Jump Street, movies that should not have been good at all, but were brilliant and amazing and phenomenal. And they may, and they also are working at, at the same time on this this animated movie Into the Spider Verse. Yes. Later wins an Oscar, deservedly so. Yeah. It's, it's it's the best Spider-Man movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so then they, in the middle of, of that, they get asked, direct a Star Wars movie for us and direct the Han Solo movie. Your comedy, Han Solo's funny and cool. Direct yeah. a Han Solo movie. According to what I hear, this should be good. It's the way that they put it is like, we, we thought we were directing a comedy and they didn't want a comedy the studio mm-hmm. version is you've given us space balls you've given us space balls as a star wars movie right 
this is a Star Wars movie. This can't be like you can't do a parody of Star Wars huh. in a Star Wars movie, which for Han Solo, the movie, I have to say, mm-hmm. the Han Solo we meet in Han Solo's journey in the original trilogy is Han Solo becoming a hero. Right. It's Han Solo. First, a new hope is learning that he does care at all. And until Return of the Jedi, Han is a reluctant hero. The way I liken it to is this. Han isn't a bad guy, but he is also not a good guy either. In that Han is very much anti-hero. Han is 100% the kind of guy who who would say, like, hey, stop beating up that kid. He would say that, yes. But when the kid would then come up and say, can I come with you? He's like, get lost, kid. He's like, no, go. Like, remember in A New Hope, it's like, yeah, he doesn't mind a fight with the Empire, but at the same time, it's like, when Luke's like, they're going to kill the princess. Better her than me. Right. It's like, he has to be, like, he's not not going to risk his He has to be bribed into it. So, a movie that that gets to a character that's going to be that has to basically be a comedy in some ways. Right. Because it has to be, because it has to, because that's a very dark ethos. Yeah. And basically what I feared and what the movie does show is like, it's ultimately going to tell me that, that Han Solo was a good guy at the end, which, yeah, of course we know. We knew that that's the problem. We knew but, Han Solo but, was a good guy. At the end of the day, he wasn't a, a bad guy, but come on. Like, I want the new trilogy. I want Luke and Leia to be important to make Han Solo into a hero. Right. To make Han Solo into the hero that, that is a leader of the rebellion. But at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, this is an idea that Lucas wanted to do. So that's one of the reasons why it's a better movie. Well, the and other it, thing too, it's basically uh, the best, and quite frankly, it's the best movie of these movies. So, I think the, if you were going to do a Han Solo movie, in my opinion, ultimately, you should have gone with the easiest route that you could have gone with. Make it a heist movie. Make it a heist movie. That's kind of what it is, but. It okay. is, but it, but it is, but it's so. And again, this is the troubled production. So many things went wrong behind the scenes that you were not going to get a coherent film. I think that I disagree. I think that that Ron Howard is a freaking genius because he he made a coherent film. Because he rescued he rescued a film out of essentially not being able to go forward. That's the tragedy. Well, I think what Lord and Miller are not incompetent at all. Like, Enter the, Into the Spider-Verse is plenty of example, along with the 21 22 Jump Streets. They can make a great movie. It's just the studios didn't like the movie they made. So, basically, Solo is a movie that was reshot. Yes. They reshot the whole movie. So, this is why... This is the most expensive Star Wars movie ever made. It's one of the most expensive movies made. Because and it's the do... only Star Wars movie that didn't make a profit. Right. Because it had, they, eventually, they basically had to do it twice. They had, to do two, they had to pay for two movies. Yes. It has a $300 million budget because mm-hmm. they shot it twice. Yeah. And $300 million bucks, that is like... 
you have to make a, basically a billion dollars with Hollywood right. accounting to to yes. make it make any profit. It's three it's three hundred million for that, and then another two to three hundred million for the marketing, plus the the, uh, the merchandise. Yeah, it's so. It's the only Star Wars movie that's a financial flop, and that's disappointing because this is actually it's a movie that's warmed up on me. So, um, okay, what's his name again? Uh, Aldrin, like a the, the, oh, the solo the actor. actor. I don't remember. Okay, let me look it up. Hold hold on a second. Um. The so, one thing that movie that, that the one thing that movie that did get right undeniably was Lando. So no, I think all the characters do a great job in this movie. This is a solid movie. Alden Ehrenreich. Alden Ehrenreich. Like when I first saw him in in, in, in Hail Caesar, I I said like this guy is talented. This guy is talented. This guy's going places. I'm rooting for Alden Ehrenreich. He does he does a solid job because he's not doing Harrison Ford. He's doing young, he's actually doing what he's supposed to be doing a young hair a young Han Solo. So he's not right. at that place that 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 Solo is when you meet him in A New Hope. It's like he's slowly like he's still got this little like kind of wide-eyed optimism, but at the mm-hmm. same time slowly he gets a bit more and more jaded as the movie goes on. Mm. And this is a fun journey and this is a great journey to watch. Woody Harrelson is stellar Woody, all the cast Woody, did a great job always Woody Harrelson. yeah great job and amelia clark so mm-hmm. amelia clark kira let me pray something that john powell's score in the movie they have this wonderful trick that plenty of movies do but i noticed it in this one and it's a very fantastic thing is the love theme between Kira and and Han of when you first have Kira and Han reunite after they get mm-hmm. separated. I uh, first off, like it's OK. I, all right. I, I said George Lucas directed the scene. He directs yeah. the scene that he directed the scene that that Han and and Kira kiss. Aww. So like he was just there to see his buddy Ron Howard, who he directed in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. And actually, Ron Howard he asked to direct Phantom Menace. And so Ron Howard's a good friend, and they like, they, they collaborated on um, what was the other movie that they did together? Uh, Willow. Willow. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. So yeah, they did Willow together. That was him, like saying, like, "Hey, I, I've directed, I've directed you. Want to direct one of my movies? Because you're a director now. Sure, George. And I don't have to direct Star Wars. Yeah. Ron Howard's a great director. He's a great yes, director. he is. I love Apollo 13. I I really like Into the Heart of the Sea. It's actually pretty good. Into what? Into the Heart of the Sea. You ever saw that one? It's uh, the Moby Dick. It's the movie. It's about the real life story that inspired Moby Dick. I never saw it. Yeah. And so, anyways, um, so, so like Lucas was the one like when they were shooting that scene, like when when like the, when K 
Kira's like playing with with Hans with Lando's capes, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he loves capes. Great gag, love it. Yeah. And by the way, yes, Donald Glover's performance as Lando, that is phenomenal. Mm. And like he's much more, he is doing an imitation of of of, of Billy Dee but that's Billy, fine. But like he, but like that works for that character because he kind of is. At the same time, I love. Oh, and this is one of the reasons why I genuinely lo- like this movie. Uh, and I think this is probably the only one that I would not be uncomfortable calling canon in my own head, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Is that is like I love I love the future call of like of just Lando like I hate you. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just great. I was like, oh, that's, that's good. That's fun. And I love later on, like, hey, we got a ton of men over there. And, like, Lando runs away. Because <laughs> I love that. Like, Lando like Lando was basically, from the get-go, and, like, in Empire Strikes Back, he's kind of the the foil to Han of, like, of, like he's charming, but Han, at the end of the day, is a good guy, and Lando isn't. Right. And he has to go on that redemptive journey in Empire to slowly right. become the good guy. Well, and Lando is a Lando is a a he's a gambler. He's a gambler, and and really, when you see with Lando's actually got more depth in Empire Strikes Back than I think most people give him credit for. Oh yeah, well yeah, he's a very really well. He really is trying to save people's lives, and I mean, what happens sometimes? You got to make a deal with the devil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's part of the greatness of the character. So, Mm -hmm. and when we get into but at the same time, yes, Han's line of, yeah, you're a real hero. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. So when we get into uh, – so I, I really like this movie. This is a really solid movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially given, like, such a troubled production that not only they made a, a competent movie but a good movie is pretty much, like, A-plus of, like – of that Ron Howard and everyone involved deserves a standing ovation mm-hmm. for that. But I do mean like this is genuinely a good movie. I like this movie. Same. Is um so it, one okay. Also, it's before we saw Daenerys go a certain way, but we all love yeah. Amelia Clark. And, oh yeah. And so and she's so charming and warm. That like you kind of ignore you're with Han and like you kind of are ignoring all the signals she's giving, and so I was talking about the music. So oh, I never got to my full story for George Lucas. I'm sorry, I'm being tangent me, but like when George Lucas visited the set and was seeing like them go go for the the staging mm-hmm. of the scene, and like saying like oh he loves capes, like Lucas kind of like said like why would Han like put it on the rack? He would just drop the cape. He would like take it from Kira's hands and then just drop it. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, that's Han Solo. It's just fantastic. There you go. And it's kind of a great reverse. It's kind of like a different version because it's at the same time hearkening to the Leia Han kiss in Empire where it's like the two kind of like he corners her in and they they kiss. Mm -hmm. But this is like a different because like of of where Leia doesn't want to really admit that she digs Han. It's that right. like, it's Kira's like, but you don't know what I've become. Like I've changed. Right. And this goes for this actually genuine, nice romantic kind of thing of like, of like I've changed on, and so have you. And 
I'm I'm not the person you think I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And this is actually a good movie where we could actually just sincerely debate this. And maybe if we ever did a commentary track, I, I, I I've watched this movie several times and I'll have to watch again because I don't know watching the entire movie how sincere Kira is of like yeah. just using Han the entire time. Which I think is is props to Amelia's performance about that. Is you like, don't know. Is you don't know. Like even when you you finally understand what side she's on is like, was that her goal the entire time? Mm-hmm. Or was this kind of like a hasty decision on her part to save Han? I don't know. And that's good writing, and that's good movie making, and that's good performance. Mm-hmm. And while I was earlier praying about the music, it is part of the whole great Kira journey is slowly of like the first time you hear that when they kiss the first time, it's this beautiful, warm melody of like love again, like this nostalgia, first love. And oh, we're, we're bringing it all back and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And just like it's totally like with Han of like. Like nothing you say to me can change the way I'm looking at you right now. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, that's so sweet. But then, like the second time they have the the conversation, really, when they're talking right before they meet Dryden Voss, that musical theme plays again, mm-hmm. and it's a little darker and it's a little more somber, and it's mm-hmm. a little more just like Kira's mood of like, oh no, like what are you thinking? Like we're gonna just run away from Crimson Dawn for the rest of our lives? And like, you you look at me, but like, I'm, I'm different, and you're a good guy. Like, I'm not the good guy, and then, yeah. I love. <laughs> and then the final time before they meet, like, it's suddenly like the theme is like even more just darker and less, less elegiac, and then finally it becomes dark and evil and foreboding, and it's like, Oh. Well, and then we got the Well supreme. done, Mr. Powell. Well done, Mr. Powell. Right. Only problem I have with the movie, which I'm annoyed at, is again, like, they can't resist it. They have to somehow tie it to the episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like, they have to make it suddenly that, that Han helped the rebellion. Yeah. Which, totally unnecessary, totally shouldn't have been in there, but other than that. And actually, this is one of the few movies... Something I, that's kind of annoying about these new movies, buddy, is like that George Lucas didn't have a ton of aliens in, in the original trilogy because he didn't have the money or the effects to right. convincingly do it. Like by Return of the Jedi, when he started to have more money, he brought in way more aliens. Right. There's only been about... Okay, Maz Kanata and I think is the only... And this, and the monkey alien played by John Favreau in Solo are kind of like one of the only new alien characters. Uh, other than that, it's Chewie. Yeah. That's disappointing, and I don't like that. Star Wars, I I want there to be aliens. I want this to be like not just this human story. Like this is a universe full of exotic creatures. Right. Bring me my aliens. Mm-hmm. That's another flaw of these movies. So, and I think that was like them, like they taking the wrong message of like, oh, what did the prequels get wrong? Oh, it's the too many aliens, too many aliens, more humans. Like, no, that's not not great dialogue, not great dialogue. 
So, and one of the reasons why I also think this movie is great, or not great, but like this is a solid Star Wars movie. I think they totally earned every moment of the Han Chewie relationship. Yes. This is a total great, and like this is a love story where the love story is not between Kira and Han, it's between Han and Chewie. And not, and yes, I mean friendship love, not that kind of love. Okay. But yes. This is a love story of, of can like. I, can I just write for a moment there where it's like, oh, it's like, it always has to be friendship love doesn't exist anymore. It's like, guys, just tell you, chill. Come on. Have you seen Superbad? They can totally still yeah. exist. And mm-hmm. and so, no, like, it's it's a great love. This is actually just talking about this movie. This is why I love talking to you, Evan, of like realizing, mm-hmm. but no, this is a great love story of like, and it kind of follows the a little bit of the rom-com of like, you're pursuing the wrong person when the person you really want is right in front of you. And, and that's Chew, Chewbacca, and they totally earn that halfway point in the movie, where, like, it's not just like that the baggage of of seeing these movies. I think within the movie they earn the moment where when che- Chewie finally meets other Wookies, and he frees the other Wookies, and it's like, I can go with them. This is what I've been looking for all these my life, hmm. like for 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 decades. And he chooses Han. Mm-hmm. and it's like oh, and like yeah that moment's earned that moment is earned that moment is great and that moment is earned so this is a solid movie this is a total mm-hmm. A movie we didn't give uh, Last Jedi our, 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 our ranking I'll personally give it an 8 what would you give it Evan? 6 oh okay that's not too bad <laughs> <laughs> Grand scheme of things, <laughs> that's nicer than I thought. But yeah, wow. Okay. Now let's get into the one that I think we're both dreading. Well, let's see. But okay. Let me tell you another story about about J.J. Abrams, and it's a story that Evan was there to, to bear witness to. In 2013, Evan and I went to see this movie, Star Trek: Into Darkness. I'm watching it having a decent time then okay all right like oh it's con okay sure cool um shouldn't have whitewashed him but benedict cumberbatch is a good actor so okay fine whatever should have had some dialogue acknowledging it but okay whatever <laughs> i'm watching the movie fine 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 good 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 yeah yeah i don't mind it's gone and then suddenly as we get three quarters in i'm suddenly like no no. And then when Kirk hand karate chops Scotty and goes into the to the fuel fuel chamber, the engine room, that's when I was like, oh no, they are going for this. No. No. And I I very visibly like just shook my head. And Evan kind of turned to me and looked at me and was like, what? Because Evan's not a, a Trekkie, so he, he, he kind of like came to it kind of like, eh, whatever. But I'm I'm not a hardcore Trekkie, but I'm a Trekkie, but I'm a Trek mm-hmm. fan. And, and they were like, oh, Abrams, no, 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 don't do this. And I was like, you went for it. You're reversing Wrath of Khan's greatest moment 
and like you have not earned this at all movie Mm. and this is so bad and suddenly this good movie went from like this is pretty solid this is a good movie to an utter train wreck of like you have not at all earned reversing spock's death to now it being kirk and then you have spock say i was like no and then have Khan and Spock fight angry Spock punch I'm just like my gosh what has this movie become this is awful Mm. that is the thing and it's something that people more and more have realized J.J. Abrams suffers the kind of thing that they made a joke of in it chapter 2 of like I did not like the ending. J.J. Mm. Abrams is pretty good at setting things up. He is awful for endings, and he is awful for payoff. Mm. The director of Star of like Star Wars: The Force Awakens was directed by the man who directed Star Trek Eleven. The man who directed The Rise of Skywalker was the man who directed Star Trek Into Darkness. Of like, <laughs> whoop! Train wreck alert! Now, I'm not going to blame it all on J.J. Abrams. The person I'm also going to really put the feet to the fire to is this man that's not as widely blamed in this catastrophe, Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio, you may not know, is the probably one of the worst writers in, in Hollywood that has won an Oscar. He won an Oscar for Argo. Ooh, Since yes. then... Since then, like, and I attribute, having seen the rest of the, of the movies that, that Chris Terrio has written, yeah. I attribute all of Argo to Ben Affleck. Of Ben Affleck, it must be a genius. Because I do not know how that same writer is the writer of Batman v Superman, Justice League, and Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. All those movies are bad. And especially the writing is terrible he is a utterly bad writer and it is on full display although jj abrams does not help jj abrams loves to do this thing where he loves to set up mystery boxes basically as it's it's by his own quotes is the mystery box of like how'd you get maz kanada how did you get the luke's luke's lightsaber Great story, different time. Yeah. All these like mysteries and plot threads that like are like, ooh, interesting, interesting. And Ryan Johnson is a major trooper, did what he could with the, all these like setups that Abrams clearly had no plan about. Mm. And Evan, like, eat like something that like Honest Trailer said perfectly is like Rise of Skywalker manages managed to do the unthinkable, piss off both the fans of Last Last the people who hated Last Jedi and the people that love Last Jedi. Make a movie that pleased no one. Yeah. So right after you have done a movie where you're setting up that that Poe Dameron is gonna be the leader of the resistance. Right. You you and Poe Dameron has gone on this journey where he learns what it takes to be a leader 
and meaning that you won't always make the popular decisions, mm -hmm. as Holdo demonstrated. As you've gone on this movie where the, you had set up that Kylo Ren was going to be the villain of this series, mm -hmm. and you've firmly set up that what makes Ray special is Ray, not her family. J.J. Abrams said, screw that! Palpatine's back! And the Empire's coming back with a fleet of Star Destroyers that have Death Star t weapon capability. Yeah. What? 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 come from hmm. and okay this is when star wars has gone anime of like anime does this all the time of like ooh, you thought you were the puppet master but i was the puppet master all along mm -hmm. and that is a trope that only works when it's been set up yeah and when it's been heavily hinted and even when it's not necessarily set up when there's enough material there where, where it was clearly like that's not such a giant leap right it's good no setup for this at all none none there was no setup at all for like palpatine to come back no i cut you had a good villain you had a yeah. perfect villain for the end you of had, the series you had the best you had the best it's villain in kylo ren Kylo Ren was a fine villain to end this saga on. Right. But I was like, nope, I want to redeem Ky Kylo Ren. It's like, yeah, but Ryan Johnson had kind of made it where that's not going to happen. What I actually read was that that was genuinely supposed to happen, was that Kylo Ren was supposed to be killed. Um, was supposed to be killed. But I, from what I hear, it was actually surprisingly not by Rey. Um, I don't know how, but I heard that Kylo Ren was supposed to be killed. So, and having Ray be a Palpatine, oh my gosh, is what the, most, the most unnecessary retcon garbage call ever. And the minute that, like, Palpatine comes out, I don't blame Ian, like, you should never blame any of the actors, people. Never blame the no. actors. Uh, never, never blame, blame the, the actors. actors. Blame the writers, the directors... The producers, don't be mad at the actors. Ian McDiarmid is a great actor, and he does a great job. Yeah. It's all the freaking of, like, Terrio and Abrams of just, like, why did you bring back Palpatine? And, like, just because you say the word Sith cloning doesn't mean it makes sense. Right. That's like, what? In and fantasy, just, ambiguity, ambiguity does not do you favors. It does favors when it's like the Dark Lord Sauron kind of right. stuff. Because just like knew, there was no no super mystery that they had to explain. It was just they're back. Yeah, and just like and like that, just that opening, that opening five minutes of the mm -hmm. movie. One, the opening crawl, and then the five minutes, and having him, Palpatine say, "I am Snoke." And yeah. and like I was the voices in your heads, and then just say Vader's voice is like, oh gosh, this is gonna be bad. 
this is going to be bad, Evan. And I had to pretty much, like, from that moment, I turned off my brain and still, like, was like, okay, I'm having fun, but, man, this is garbage. Yep. This is straight up garbage. This is not just, like, where I can nitpick. This is straight up bad. Because J.J. Abrams, like, not going with any of of what – it's nothing but retcon. And like what many critics say, both in trying to defend the movie and people criticizing the movie, is like this is basically him trying to do his own sequel to Force Awakens and then the third movie. Right. This is three movies in one. Sorry, this is two movies in one. And neither movie's good. Right. Well, and here's the. I think all that we need to say about the Rise of Skywalker is that this is the type of ending that you get when nobody knows what the hell they're really doing in terms of an overall story. When no one person has a plan, doesn't even have to be a good plan. Just have a plan. Yeah, a plan. Yes, yes. And this is the thing. And like, look, this is getting into the dilemma between an architect and uh, and a gardener, as George R. R. Martin once said, of like, gardeners, they don't come in with any plans. They just go where the story tells them. And and architects come out with concrete plans. Right. Now, I will say, if J.J. Abrams had directed all three movies, or if Ryan yes. Johnson had directed all three movies, episode nine, episode, episode nine, just episode nine, at which he was offered, this trilogy could have been salvaged into something coherent. Right. Because J.J. Abrams fundamentally disagrees with every call that mm-hmm. was made made this train wreck and this is a total train wreck this is a this is not just a a a bad star wars movie mm-hmm. or, no, or, or no but no yeah this is a bad movie this is like completely incompetent Again, it's and scrambling it's a scramble and that's and, the problem and like all those these pandering moments that they're trying to make it so so that fans will like forgive it I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm sorry. And like some of the pandering moments actually made me angry because to me, they may demonstrate why this whole of one, why they shouldn't have been a post Return of the Jedi trilogy to begin with. Of just like Mm -hmm. having Anakin say in ghost voice, bring balance to the force as I did. I was like. As you did. Then the the chosen. As you did. Then the chosen one didn't matter. Then the chosen one didn't matter. I was just like, what? Like, all this kind of stuff, like, ah! No. It basically... And and, and what really about, is, 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 here, does her best, but, right. like, man, oh, man. Ugh. And Kylo Ren, like, especially by The Last Jedi, it's like, I don't buy this sudden redemption. No, I don't either. Like I said, and, everything, everything you see here was rushed in the worst possible way. And... From what I heard, this this had the worst production behind the scenes of any of the Star Wars films. No, dude, 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 Solo. Of the episodes. Okay. 
here's here's the pro and here's the problem is that then you then the worst part the worst part that happened with the with the last Jedi sorry not the last Jedi with with the rise of Skywalker is that a lot of people who had not really been that hands on started getting a lot more hands on than they probably should have. Yes, and yeah, make sure the brand keeps right. with the IP. Yes. Right. It. But again, the beginning. And I can see that, and I can definitely see that, and I can see why even <clears throat> even even Abrams was grumpy with the end result. Yeah. But I'm sorry, he still has to be held his feet to the fire because, like, A, you agreed to do the movie, and B, this is the direction you wanted to take it. Right. But at the same time, though, again, what we're harping on is the fact that when nobody has a plan, you get something that just crashes. And when you manage to and when, make and when, you don't, and when you ignore major plot points and major setup and arcs and just go this is the arc that I wanted to tell and, and well, for the and record you, like, and then you cop out and then the worst part is then they cop out then they don't take responsibility then no, no one also, has the okay yeah no, no one, one has the, the, yeah. no one has the responsibility to, to take care of it because it's like well what can we do it's like you can't do anything about it well there's a saying from JFK of that success is a thousand fathers and failure is an orphan yeah. And yes. Uh, so mm. the thing that I and also I mean quite frankly the having like all these like pandering things but also just really bad of like of that Finn and Poe have nothing to do in the movie which honest no. trailer rightfully made fun of. Mm-hmm. Of like they introduce new characters that have nothing to do and bring nothing to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the the Carrie Russell character brings nothing yep. to the movie other than mm-hmm. like other than just say oh no Finn and Poe aren't gay. And which so and but then like but no we totally are Poe gay because we have this one one two second gay kiss. Right. Well, and then that flips people off. That's the part that makes me laugh. Is it's like, wait a minute, you guys were upset about that? Jesus. Well, yeah, but that, people are dumb, dude. People are dumb. Are and hard. and so all this and the thing that <clears throat> again, honest trailers and many people rightfully make fun of, like Chewy getting a medal. What? I mean, yeah, it was a gag in like fan community, but like, no, you, you shouldn't actually do that. Right. Like, no. No. All the wrong calls. All the yes. wrong calls. <clears throat> All the wrong calls. Mm-hmm. It's a straight up bad movie. Yeah. I think we're, that's <laughs> weird. So, so right after we disagreed <laughs> with with Last Jedi, we are pretty agreed on this one. Like, yeah, this is a train well, wreck. Like this is embarrassing. Well, and it's a point where it's like, I just don't care anymore because they made the mistake of oversaturation. They think, oh, let's bring out a movie every year. One of the things that made Star Wars so special was that you had a movie every three years. And and that made it all the more special. Yeah. All right, so you final grade. You didn't have – was that – well, finish what you were going to say. 
it was that you didn't have to keep shoving you didn't have to keep shoving it down our throats let us have let, to dilute the brand man didn't right have to like, like let them let them always leave them hungry I would have been fine with more Star Wars TV shows and stuff like that, and like more video games, which they've been doing right. great work. Well, with. But well, like, that's, what, that's how they did it. That's how they did. That's how they did it back then. Was that they would give you books, they would give you uh, uh, video games, they'd give you TV shows, or they'd give you uh, uh, or comics. So they still had a way to keep you interested, even if even if the content was actually probably less than what they originally had. Yeah. Um, I hear good things about like, Mandalorian, though, but yeah. Mandalorian, all I'm going to say about the Mandalorian is it's actually, if you really look at it, it's good, but it's also very safe. Oh, yeah. Well, but, which, hey. which is a smart decision right now. <laughs> After which all is a the... smart decision for them because they took risks, the wrong type of risks. Uh, no, I, I disagree. I think they made the safe bets, and those safe bets <laughs> flopped spectacularly yeah that if if the only one that coming out of the, these five movies that i w- will will even remotely eagerly seek out is is solo which isn't even a great movie that's not right that's not a great sign mm-hmm. guys you yeah. got a lot of soul searching to do well and so my well, final grade is, 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 is out of 10 this is a solid four. This is like. I give it a five. I give it a five because its entertainment value is high enough. I mean, I'm sorry, man. Like even like, uh, I like that. I like the the lightning scene. Right. Well, and that's the other thing too is things got but, just yeah. things just got weird. Things just got really weird and out of the way. Like I said, we we know how bad it is, and hopefully that has kind of kept them smart enough to say, let's calm down a little bit. Let's let's let let's let the audience breathe for a bit. But I mean, yeah, given how so. the problem is given the problem is given how greedy the executives are. I find it hilarious that executives and marketing guys don't learn from their mistakes. Like that's, that's why that's why I laugh at anyone who has a marketing degree, because your your job is always expanding and you're wrong 99% of the time. I won't comment on that. Only I will say is that there are no real plans for Star Wars movies. I've heard. Problem, Other than like. Other than like some like dis- development discussions, yeah. Then leave it. We don't we don't need any more for right now. Let us let us have let us digest. <laughs> okay. So this has been some great time. This has been a blast talking to you about Star Wars again, Evan. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So mm-hmm. may the force be with you. May the force be with you. <laughs>